good morning good afternoon good evening day wherever you are in the world it is stripe auntie aka delapo back at it again with a new stripe chat episode and i think this is one that y'all are gonna love and it feels like a it feels like a circle back moment or full circle that's what it's called yeah but we're all gonna be talking about everything 20s and navigating unconventional career pathways today's guest is the one the only one and only uh renny the resource say hi to strife tribe renny hi everybody hi delapo thanks for having me thank you for coming on it really feels full circle because like i it was like this time last year that i was on um don't go broke trying and so thanks for coming on Oh, and you were my first guest on my podcast too, so it's like, yeah. I hope <laughs> well, you know that. My dad's episode before yours, but like you were the first person I ever recorded with. So, yeah, shout out. It's full circle moment for sure. It is full circle, and it, it's ironic because like yesterday I was speaking um, to someone regarding like um, partnership, like an admissions agency, and when I was talking to her, she was like, "Yeah, I found." out about you through like um that podcast episode with rennie so like yeah so it's literally an episode that it's a gift that keeps giving like literally that conversation so i'm happy that we can have you on here to share a little bit more about yourself as well yeah thanks for having me i can't wait to share my unconventional career path (laughs) (laughs) what is convention what is unconventional um let's start with the middle usually i actually girl i know (laughs) okay i usually start from like the beginning but i think it's interesting to start in the middle here um and the middle um is of course when you made that huge announcement that you were deciding to go full-time on content creating and taking a bet on yourself if we can go back to that time zone, you know, um, that, um, I don't want to say an era because it's, you're still very much in the era. What inspired you to make that decision? What was the catalyst, um, for you to leave the traditional career corporate life? I feel like I have a similar situation to a lot of other people where I was, like burnt out from work. So it pushed me to like the edge, basically. I'm like, either I need to quit this job. Well, regardless, either it's either quitting this job to pursue entrepreneurship or quitting this job to um, pursue like another role where I'm not gonna be burnt out. So that's what I was doing. I was actually, I think, so I had gotten a new role and that role was, it was good, but it was so hectic. And then two months into my role, one girl went on leave, okay, because she was stressed from all the work she was doing. So she went on leave. Yeah. And then a week or two after that, one of my coworkers, uh, she had to go home to India. And this was during COVID. So she was there for like six weeks or something back uh, back home in India. So imagine me, new person on the team, trying to manage her role. Like, I'm, I don't even know my role. And I'm trying to learn her role and the other girl's role. It was a hot mess. So I kept telling my manager, you like, I can't. I know I'm like, you think I'm superwoman or something, but I cannot handle all of this. Um, and I kept telling her, I kept telling her. And they're like, yeah, we're going to hire for the, like there was one girl who was not coming back. So they're like, oh yeah, we're going to hire for her. We're going to hire for her. We're going to hire for her. Did they hire for her? Till this day, have they hired? I don't know. But uh, <laughs> um, so yeah, that honestly was what pushed me because I just felt like I was juggling a lot of things. Mm. 
thought I wasn't getting paid enough for um, to do three people's role. And then I also did not have the capacity and it was affecting my content creation. Like I was so tired at the end of the day that like I could not create properly. So I decided one day I was like, I am going to quit this job. And I I was actually interviewing for other roles and I got yeah. a role that was like a hundred K and I was like, okay, like I'm you're my first six hundred role. But then I was like, do I really want to do this again and go to another company? It's going to be miserable. So I just quit <laughs> and I didn't, and I was like, we're going to try content creation. If it works, it works. If it doesn't, I can always get another job. So that was my logic. Wow. 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 Um, lot to unpack there. First of all, I don't know why that is, like such a big trend right now well it's not a positive trend but the trend what i mean by that is when companies are expecting their employees to do like the job of more than one person but not um properly compensating like you're right like i've been hearing that story repeatedly but yeah. especially with women of color especially black women and again like slavery was over 400 years ago but that's long time ago long time ago but i think it's really interesting hearing the experiences especially of like immigrants and black and brown immigrants in canada when it comes to the labor force because that's a whole different conversation for another day um in terms of that trend but you decided to leave even though you also had another full-time offer at a different company, right? Yeah. And I felt, I feel like black women, we often take this burden because, you know, sometimes if we like speak up and we complain, it's like we're seen as difficult or we're seen as this or that. So that's why I think a lot of us just take it on. But me, again, as you said, slavery ended too long ago for me to be doing that. And the day that I announced, like the day I told my manager that I was quitting, she called my chief marketing officer. And like, my chief marketing officer was like, okay, we'll hire this, we'll hire that, we'll increase your salary. And I was like, babes, it's too it's, late. It's too late. Like, yeah. So as much as I really loved my hire, my um, chief marketing officer, like I really, really loved working with her. And I almost considered it because like she, she will offer to even move me to a new team and I would have a leadership role. But then I was like, nah, if they could have done this, like they could have done this if they, if they had this, uh, if they have ability to do this, that means they could have done it before. They didn't need to wait for me to get to my breaking point before they did it. So mm. yeah. And then another reason why I didn't choose the like other offer that I got, I interviewed, it was like a startup and I interviewed with like six people. First of all, I had to interview like the whole company, which was ridiculous. Um, but I made it through every interview. It was good. It was good. It was good. I got to the CEO or the founder mm-hmm. and like, he, he just rubbed me the wrong way. Okay. Ooh. He, he was like, I asked about like diversity and inclusion because literally almost everybody who I interviewed with was white. And he was like, he said a comment. I can't even remember his exact words, but he was like, I grew up at Jane and Finch, which for those who don't know, is like the the low income area in Toronto. Okay. (laughs) I I grew up in Jane and Finch. Diversity is all I know. And I'm not a, I'm not a public organization. We're a private organization. We don't, I was like, Thank you. The Thank defensiveness you. is given yeah. problematic in the future. <laughs> yeah, so I was just like, this is another sign that God's telling me this ain't the place for me. So I had to just make that leap and go where I want, where I'm wanted. Yeah. And the leap was a mad leap, you know, like when you, when the thing, the image that really just came in my mind is literally 
like a ballet you know when ballet dancers are doing like those like <laughs> long ass long jumps that's what i just imagine and i want you to maybe share with strive tribe in terms of like how you prepared yourself mentally because i know on your platform you've shared before in terms of like you know preparing yourself financially in terms of like emergency funds and and you know being able to make sure that you you don't go broke <laughs> trying to be a full mm -hmm. content creator i think yeah. which is an episode you have coming up but you've you've talked a lot about the financial part how did you mentally prepare yourself mm, how did i mentally prepare myself for that i honestly like i think i was just so burned out i couldn't even like i could not even there was no other option. It was just like, this is what we're going to have to do. I don't know if I actually mentally prepared to take the leap, like mm. knowing that now everything's on you, you know, like it's very different than working corporate, but it was just, I, once I quit, I just felt like a load was lifted off of me. So, you know, even though I wasn't mentally prepared for it, I think I just had, I just adapted very nicely because it was like, anything was better than <laughs> what I was coming from. Uh, because like I was working like, nine to no like eight to like 10 p.m sometimes like on a regular basis not not on a not on one off like on a very regular every basis. single day so, yeah and i was like this is ridiculous like i don't live to work okay it's not my my goal in life so um and yeah so i just i don't think i meant i actually like took any actionable steps to Got learn it. how to manage this entrepreneurship or this career pivot but i'm glad that i just jumped into it because it was necessary nice wow uh well not nice that it was necessary but it's been beautiful to like watch from the internet um how that has unfolded but if you had like hindsight is 2020 but for maybe people that are listening that are in workplaces that you know they're being forced or kind of like not forced but voluntold you know what i'm saying mm -hmm. um to take on more than they're actually being compensated for or um it, it's also taking a toll on their physical and mental health, what would you um, provide as like tips for them? Yeah, I would tell them that like, I understand taking, like help, lending a helping hand every once in a while, but once you have like a new responsibility or task that's coming on your plate, that's not in your job description, that is a promotion. That's exactly what it is, okay? Wait, please say that one more time for the people in the back. <laughs> no, for real. Yeah, a new job or a new task or some new project that is not within the scope of your role is a promotion and there should be compensation aligned uh, that aligns with that promotion. So I would tell you that like, it's okay to take on things every once in a while, but if it's long-term, I would voice that to your manager and always like, try to get things in writing if you can, you know, write to them like, hey, you know, I'm I'm having a little trouble managing X, Y, Z right now. Do you know how long this will be on my plate? You know, questions like that. And they can't really deny uh, when it's written out on, <laughs> in the ink, right? Um, but then I would tell you also that sometimes you just need to take a break for your own peace of mind. And like short-term disability is a thing that can really help you as well. Um, that was an option for me that they recommended as well. They were like, oh, how about you just go on like six weeks leave or something like that, which maybe in hindsight I could have done, but I'm glad that I, I chose the path that I did choose. Um, I'm not sure if you know Danica uh, Nelson. No, I don't think no. so. She actually just took an eight week leave uh, from her role and it was to recover from burnout too. So I would tell everyone if you want like resources about that, check out Danica S. Nelson on Instagram. Uh, she share, she's sharing her journey right now. And it's very inspiring to know that you can 
you don't need you like we don't we can't come and die for work okay we need to take breaks take rest you know life is for living we don't want to like be die because of work it's ridiculous so yeah. um for anyone that mi- missed that it's um danica s nelson and i'll make sure to put it in the show notes as well so that you can follow that journey and i love the fact that you also brought that up like in terms of short-term disability applying for ei whatever it takes actually to also like take care of yourself i think even within like the immigrant community it's kind of hush hush you know we don't really talk about um the need to take a break from work what's a break from work what do you mean you're not gonna stop you're gonna stop working um for a while um and so it's really powerful number one that um I mean, you took that step. Danica is taking that, took that step as well. But the fact that you guys also share your journey, um, journey through it. So, um, yeah, thank you for, for being open and vulnerable with us in that, because it is not easy, um, at all. Yeah. Thank you. But I'm like, I always tell people the worst that can happen is that you're going to start looking for another job, you know, like if that's, and that's obviously it's a privilege to be able to say that because, you know, I had that emergency fund saved up. So I, I could have afforded to quit and then like take a few months off and then go back. But like you are the value, right? You're adding more value to this company than they are ever going to be able to add to you. So just make sure you're taking care of you first rather than the company because when layoffs happen, do they care no. about you? <laughs> and it's ironic because some of these companies, like the layoffs are like every three, four months. And it's like, they know, they know it's going to happen. So nobody is safe. And yeah. I mean, that leads me to kind of the next part of our conversation here. If we actually zoomed out a little bit, um, let's go back to the Rennie of like grade five. <laughs> <laughs> Rennie of grade five. Like, what did you envision um, yourself doing in terms of like, you know, whenever they would ask you, oh, what did you want to become when you grow older? What what was your go-to answer? So when I was very young, it was, I wanted to be a teacher. Aww. And then my parents were like, basically like teachers don't make money, basically. <laughs> <laughs> which is unfortunate. It's the truth it though. In Canada, especially like they do not pay our teachers anywhere equivalent to the value they add. Um, but yeah, so I think that they kind of kibosh that dream from early. They're like, see these vacations you go on, see this thing. If you want this, that won't work. And I was like, okay, fine, fair enough. Um, <laughs> and then my parents are both, uh, and then I want to be a doctor, but did I actually want to be a doctor or did I just have the Nigerian child mentality? You know, like a oh, doctor, lawyer, engineer, those are our options. So doctor was second. And then when I got to high school, it changed to lawyer. So, um, like my parents are both lawyers my sister's even in law school right now so i think again it was just a natural thing like oh i don't want to be a doctor anymore it was after i took grade i think a grade 11 physics or something and i was like Mm. "Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, nope we cannot do this for the rest of my life no way so then i said okay i'll be a lawyer and my dad i think he realized like this girl changes her mind every two seconds (laughs) (laughs) so he was like make sure your first degree is in something that if you decide not to go to post-secondary or post-grad, then you are going to actually get a job in it. Mm. And so I'm glad he told me that because, again, I switched my mind when I got to university again. And instead, I studied business. Uh, and so, like, I think a lot of lawyers study, like, criminology or psychology, something as a first degree. He was like, nah, because you're not going to, you know, you're probably not going to go to law school. <laughs> so I studied um, business instead, which was good. And I didn't, I didn't do my post-grad. 
I mean, it's it's interesting. Post grad is another conversation because I mean, another person I was just speaking to was telling me about how he makes a decision whether or not he would go after post grad, especially yeah, MBAs. A whole different conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, but interesting that you changed your mind a little bit. What what was the underlying inspiration to be a teacher? I mean, before you were told, you know what, you're not gonna make much money in that. I think I just like helping people and also like I feel like I explain topics really simply like even to my friends I was the one who was always helping them like with their homework and like being like okay you don't understand it I was literally like copy off me first of all and then I'll <laughs> explain it to you <laughs> like I literally used to just be like yeah copy off my my answers and then I'll explain the question to you and people like just understood it when I speak and I feel like that's what I do today now you know like <laughs> so that was the inspiration behind being a teacher also my grandma was a teacher so maybe that inspired oh. me as well yeah, that's beautiful. And and yeah, I, I think I always find it interesting when I speak to others and, and see like, OK, what they truly wanted to do as a child, like without the influence of anybody else. And yeah. then to kind of like put that in juxtaposition with what they're doing today and like with you for sure, like we can see how like that ability to explain complex topics and make it simple for others you're basically teaching us through the internet girl yeah i love it it's such a blessing you know i love i love being able to educate people on financial literacy yeah no like literally i found your page middle of the pandemic and that is how like even your con the way your content has influenced my life like i am influenced forever from like no i'm not making this up help me save enough money to move to Montreal, Montreal emergency fund. Now all of that stuff. So, um, the work that you do is definitely really, really impactful. And I hope that, um, you, you know that because, um, the people on the internets were, were benefiting and a huge part of it too, is that I think from, I mean, now it's a little bit different, but a few years ago when I first came across your page, it's that you were one of the first few black girlies in Canada that was doing this. Um, Mm. What was that journey like in terms of like, you did not, there weren't a lot of, you know, black women specifically, young black women, even more niche, talking about um, financial literacy and um, talking openly about their journeys as well. What was that experience like for you? Um, Yeah, even to this day, like I don't know another black Canadian woman on Instagram, I mean, on YouTube, who, who makes content like me. Like, I, I don't know any. So how was it? I feel like it was like jumping into the unknown. Mm. Um, but the good thing is I had other, like in the States, I found there are quite a few of them. So there's like Clever Girl Finance and um, The Budget Nista, both Nigerian women, actually. Really? Yeah. And they are in the States. So the content's a little bit different. But and Patricia Bright, you know, she has her break podcast. Uh, platform so I feel like I had some like guidance but just not from a Canadian lens and my logic was like if not oops, my my logic was like if not me then who you know mm. like <laughs> I feel like I need to see myself on the in- not not myself but like I need to see I need to see other black women on the internet but speaking from a Canadian lens because we can only learn so much from the American content the 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 
accounts are not the same. Like it's confusing sometimes. So I'm like, if not me, who's going to do it? And then I just did it. And people started resonating. Like people told me, wow, I've never seen a black person talk about finance online. Or I, I didn't even know I could invest my salary. Like I didn't know financial literacy was for me. So I feel like I'm so glad I took the leap and just did it. Cause I was like, well, Someone has to do it eventually. <laughs> and you're like, the person is me. It's yeah. gonna be me. Like that TikTok sound. <laughs> and it is you. You are that girl. Um, and no, it, it's amazing to see that you took that leap and went after it. So like, what would you recommend to people that are like about to be the first in their space, right? Like there is now more and more, you know, bit of improvement when it comes to um, representation in like different fields, um, whether it comes from like, you know, being a woman, being a black woman, but you know, other various intersectionalities that people might have. Um, Mm -hmm. yeah. What, what would you give people as an advice on being the first? I would say it's not easy because there's no one to like guide you. (laughs) Uh, but it's worthy work. That's what I would say. Mm. So it's, I think I've never desired to be the first anything because, you know, it's easier when someone else just paves the path for, path for you and then you can lean up, lean to them for mentorship and guidance, things like that. But somebody has to be the first, so why not you, you know? Um, it can be lonely. It can be, like, confusing. But also lean on people who may be the first in adjacent fields or doing something similar to you, just maybe not exactly what you're doing and try to get guidance from them. Also, I read this article that said a white male sponsor is one of the most valuable things that a black woman can have, you know? Like we have a lot of mentorship as black women. We have a lot of people creating these programs for us, but what we really need is a, bl- a white male sponsor who's at the top already who can say, okay, I'm, I'm bringing you up along and saying your names in the rooms that you are not in. So I would say if you can get mentorship from a white man or a white woman it's still valuable it's obviously like it's not the same but it's still extremely valuable so take advantage of that as well um and then also pull up other people mm-hmm. as when you're in the position that you are in so collaborate with other people uh collaborate with newcomers who are in the space i find that oftentimes when i saw in corporate space when i saw black women who were like in the top ranks yeah they were so stush and they were like they didn't want to talk to anyone to any black people because they're so used to being the one and the only, you know, and they're like, "Mm, you're threatening my space here. I don't really want to interact with you. But I think that's the wrong mindset to have. Like when one of us wins, we should be looking to bring up everybody else alongside with us, uh, not the opposite way around. Because white people be bringing up everybody, their their children, their grandchildren, their uncles, aunties. To their forever generation. It doesn't, it doesn't end in one generation. And um, that's such a good point that you brought up in terms of like, um, pulling each other up, number one. Um, but also, this is where people say they're an ally, and this is where allies also need to show up, right, in terms of mm-hmm. um, collaborating, not only just collaborating, but also being willing to be mentors um, for um, people of color or, or new immigrants to, to Canada. Um, it's interesting, too, that you mentioned, like, you know, um, when black women like much older black women not all sometimes it's kind of like that being not stuck it's not stuck up what's the word you used 
Stush. Stush. There we go. <laughs> um, that's another thing that I, I think I appreciate about our generation, like the zillennial, millennial kind of <laughs> sitch going on, is the fact of like also breaking down what it means to be like a professional black woman. I think that's really changed over the past few years because mm. when I was younger, I did not feel like, I felt like we only could operate in one way. Like I've, one example of that is like, I wanted locks for the longest time since like high school, elementary school. And I never allowed myself to do it because I thought I could not show up in spaces with locks. Yeah, it's true. Like I didn't wear braids for so many years as well, even in the workplace. Yeah. So I feel you even like for my last corporate job, I wore uh, like a weave or whatever for the interview. But then once I got the job, I was like, hello, I'm here in my braids. So yeah, I feel you. I felt the exact same way. But yeah, I'm also glad that we are changing the way like when my when I went met the prime minister, um, somebody like a lot a few people commented saying like, I just love that you were wearing locks when you met him because it shows us that like I can show up in that space. And I was like, I never thought of that, but yeah, I love it. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Like yeah. number one, can you even, let's just, let's take a moment to acknowledge because the way you said that, like you breezed over it. Yeah, when I met with the prime minister, <laughs> when I had a meeting with the prime minister. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I think one of the things too is that like, I, I can't remember what podcast I was listening to um, where the person mentioned that whenever you show up fully at, at, as yourself, it also creates the opportunity for another person to be able to do the same in the future, which which really ties into what you mentioned, right? In terms of like, you know, your, your locks were fabulous. And you, at the end of the day, a meeting is a meeting, like, He's the prime minister, but he's also he's another human being. And so it's, it does, it's, it's just a guy, bruv. Like, it's, you know, yeah, at the end of the day. And I feel like we should all be encouraged to show up exactly as ourselves. Um, our parents definitely did not do that. Uh, but we can definitely be the change that we want to see. We can. We can. So how do you fully show up as yourself in content creating? Okay. For, I feel like content creating is, like, chill, though. It's not like, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, how else, how else would I show up, you know? Like, I, I actually, yeah, go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. No, I'm like, I don't I don't know how else I would show up because it, I'm my own boss. It's like, there's nobody else to, to really police me, uh, so. No, great, okay, great point. I think um, I'm asking about that because at the end of the day, too, like, when it comes to, like, um, social media and, like, you know, um, the content creator space, there is... Mm-hmm. From what I've observed in the past, I, I don't know what it is like like right now. Like, yes, you can show up as yourself, and I love when people do, but there's also sometimes like trying to balance showing up as yourself versus kind of like not what sells, but like what will um, mm. gain the most traction being mm. at that time. And so that's kind of where, where my question is coming from, is that like how do you stay authentic to yourself in a – industry that also sometimes moves really fast based on trends what's popular and things like that that's a good question because like i don't follow trends at all you don't that's i don't i don't use any trending sounds i don't like i would say yeah like no i don't really i like sometimes if i see like something that i like a video i will like make it into a finance related thing but honestly i do not do that and i think the reason is because i tried a few times like because 
again, I like doing it sometimes, but I just find it's not sustainable to try to be someone that you're not, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm not a dancer. I'm not, you won't be seeing me doing TikTok dances. <laughs> like I cannot dance at all. So if I'm trying to dance, it's just going to look inauthentic. And I feel like my brand's all about in, uh, authenticity. So I find that the way that I'm able to just show up as myself is knowing that it's the most sustainable way and the only way that I'll continue to do it long-term. Because, yeah, if I, if I try to do keep up with all the trends i'm gonna burn out immediately and as a small business owner burning out is is catastrophic as you know right like we are we are the face of our business we are everything to yeah. do with our business so it's kind of hard like when i was working corporate if i burnt out you know they could find There's somebody else yeah yeah, yeah. this is how i got paid so i need to show up every single day yeah no that makes sense um but i think that's important for anyone that's listening that is even if you're you know working on your own side project or if you are a content creator stay true to yourself um it it definitely pays off in the long run and avoids a burnout um because burnout is it is catastrophic um sometimes but you will get out of it if you're in (laughs) if you are in burnout um my last question kind of deals with navigating your 20s or a few questions i have left um what is um what is a lesson that took you the longest to learn in in like your 20s right now Mm, the lesson that took me the longest to learn Hmm. maybe that it's okay to say no Mm. like i feel like i'm kind of a people i can have people please please our tendencies and just knowing that if I say no, nobody's going to die. Like, it's okay. <laughs> I feel like that has been a very liberating realization for me. Um, so, yeah, that's like a lesson that it took a very long time to learn. Because, again, I'm sure part of the reason that for the burnout um, at my previous job was because I was saying, okay, I'll try to do it. Okay, I'll try to take it on. Okay. Just piling but, more on your plate. Yeah. But realizing that, no, like, sometimes you just got to say no. And... I think I really came to this realization last year when I said no more than I said yes. Like brand deals would come, lots of money, and I'm just like, unfortunately, I like don't have the capacity right now. And it would come back again a few months later, and I'm like, wow, like you can say no, and it was still like come back. Obviously, not always, not always in the same form, but oftentimes I've been really blessed that like even when I say no, better and bigger things happen. So uh, that's probably the hardest lesson, uh, but. I'm glad I learned it early on ish early ish on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, that's amazing. The what my brain is like, what framework are you using? I'm even asking this for me, not even the listeners at this point, because one of the things I struggle with is saying no to like, whether it's yeah. like personal life, professional life, it's I think my energy is infinite, but turns out energy is very finite, you know? <laughs> I used to gotta exist and cook and you know clean yeah. take care of your actual self to be a human being so how mm. are you like in a in a general sense you know navigating a framework to decide when you're going to say yes or when you're going to say no to something mm-hmm. I think I'm just always like looking at my capacity and how I'm currently feeling right now I'm big on like is this because I can, I can be an extremely anxious person, but over the past like, few months, I haven't been anxious. And it's because I've been saying no to a lot of things that I'm like, yeah, this would be great money. I would love to take this on. 
However, I know I'm going to be extremely stressed if I say yes to this thing. So I think I'm always just like checking in on myself. Mm -hmm. And when you actually take time to like check in on yourself and honor yourself, I find that your body doesn't crash when you do that. Um, my butt in, in February, I was I started saying yes again for some odd reason because, you know, Black History Month, so many opportunities. I can make a lot of money during Black History Month. <laughs> so I think I said yes, 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 yes. And then my body was like, okay, Rani, you don't want to listen to us? Goodbye. I don't I don't really get sick. I got sick for like 10 days straight. Oh, my God. 10 I days? Got, I, I did not get sick, but I literally could not get out of bed. I'm like, okay, my body's telling me, you tried it. <laughs> don't do it again. You said, do I have your attention, ma'am? Yeah, literally. Like, I could not. I was like. I was in a group. I was working out daily. It's not even like I was in the best shape, best health, best mental space. And my my body said, "Stop saying yes to everything and just shut down." So and then, yeah. So I think that's how I do it. I'm always checking in and feeling okay. Mm. I know right now I can say yes to this because it's in two months. But like, look at your schedule for two months for uh, two months from now. Do you actually have capacity to take this on in two months? Most likely you do not. Um, so. Yeah, that's, that's how I've been able to navigate. And also just like that understanding that what's for me will always be for me. So mm. even if I can't sit yes today, there's always tomorrow. There's always next year. Like what's for you will truly be for you. And I'm, I'm the, I am uh, the embodiment of that. So, yeah. No. Okay. That's beautiful. I'm, I'm taking notes mentally for myself <laughs> um, to, to start now I, I, I put everything in my calendar so that it's yeah. not like a guessing game. And I'm like, oh, my God, I said yes yeah. to like X number of things all at once. Yeah. Um, Another thing that I do is like put self-care in my calendar as well, mm. like in advance. So like my vacations, I've been I booked vacations for this month, for July, for September so far. And yeah. it's like even if I want to say yes sorry i'm out of the country i <laughs> can't take that on uh so yeah i feel like that really helps me because mm. i don't feel bad about saying no because you know you're doing something else i'm doing something else and my i think my therapist taught me that she was like you need like because you have a hard time saying no you just need to pre-schedule things like mm. and she also let me know like when it comes to my friends i feel bad being like oh my god guys sorry i can't make it to this because i have this she told me like do you like think about do you like you're overinflating your importance sometimes you know like not in a not in a shady way but like you know like your friends don't act they all they care they care more about you than they care about like oh you couldn't make this one thing but you make five of five other things you know they don't really care that much they more care about you and how you're doing mm -hmm. right she was like relax basically like, calm down <laughs> and and stop making it seem like if you miss one thing when you come to the past 10 things that oh you're a bad person like you're you're actually fine relax yeah <laughs> no that's a good way to put it too is that like i think sometimes our brain will magnify like something more than it might actually be to the other person right yeah. like um i get what you're saying in the sense of like yeah. oh if you've told a friend you were gonna come to something but like you're no longer feeling well. You're like, ah, oh, I can't come. But then it becomes a thought loop of like, oh my goodness, but I said I was going to go. But what, and mm -hmm. all of the what ifs kind of spiral down. Um, mm -hmm. But I really love the fact that you also scheduling time for self-care. I think that's like a huge takeaway um, for anyone that's listening in your 20s, 
You don't even have to be in your 20s. If you're, if, if you're not even 20 and you're listening, I mean, most of the audience are in their 20s. But if you're younger, like, it, it's a good thing to um, start um, keeping track of as well, just so that you are... There's this one therapist I follow online. She's based in Calgary, and she looks like Kelly Rowland. Um, I know that... I've seen her on TikTok. Yes, on TikTok, right? And um, she talks about a lot of this, like, proactive, like, somatic soothing practices mm. to make sure that you don't attend to a problem when it's already, like, overbearing, especially when it comes mm-hmm. to mental health. So um, I love the way that you tied that in. Um, my last question has to deal with the opposite side. What's one lesson or what has you excited about this like era of your twenties in terms of like, are you in your late twenties? Mid, mid, late 26. Okay. So mid to late twenties. Yeah. What are you excited about? What am I excited about? I'm excited. I'm literally just excited that. I have so much life to live. You know, that's my thing. Mm. I'm just like, and my, I'm really excited that I can change my mind at any point in time, you know, because I'm like, I'm child free. I'm partnerless <laughs> at this point in time. Like I could literally choose to move to Japan right now if you I can. wanted to. And my life is just so dynamic. And like, I, that's really what's exciting for me. Obviously when you have kids, things change a little bit, but I hope to still maintain the same level of like, you know, I, I feel comfortable pivoting and changing what I want to do at any point in time. I really hope that I, that carries on even to my thirties and forties uh, when I have children. But yeah, I just feel like really excited that I can do whatever I want. Like someone recently sent an anonymous message to me yeah. <laughs> saying like, Oh, basically saying like, Oh, your career is so short sighted. And like, uh, when you, by the time you turn, you get, have kids, you're going to have to change your career, your career, go back to corporate, you'll be making less than 100k when all your peers will be making 200k. I was just like, whoa, angry much. But like, it was funny to me, because it's like, you probably think that you're stuck in the same thing that you you chose in uni- in high school. probably. Mm. I don't have that mindset at all. I feel like I can change at any point in time. So that's never been a thought of mine. But um, yeah, I'm really excited that I have this like mindset uh, towards always changing, always evolving pivoting if I need to so yeah yeah well that's that growth mindset right there baby um like (laughs) and it's interesting I think you shared that thing and I I I remember seeing I don't even know if I commented and I'm like huh I think sometimes too is that like whenever people react like that it says more about them than it actually about you right like you you mentioned like the person might be at a point where they feel like they don't have a choice um but it's so important um to have that growth mindset because otherwise yeah life because life always gets tough i mean it it does but (laughs) it's about how you deal with it um but yeah thank you so much for coming on the strife chat to share your journey i mean from teacher to financial literacy educator and a a business owner at the same time so it's really beautiful to see how um i mean again from afar from the internet um how your content keeps evolving but the way that it also is again i can only speak personally but it impacts me a lot and yeah i can't wait to keep um 
seeing from the sidelines and cheering on. And thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah. And yeah, thank you everyone for listening. I hope that you enjoyed the episode. <laughs> Plug yourself, please. Where can the people find you? Yeah, so you can find me on Instagram at xoreni, X-O-R-E-N-I. Also on YouTube. I have a YouTube channel with like 200 videos. So check those out. I also have a podcast called Don't Go Broke Trying. And we are in season two. It is coming out shortly. And we have amazing episodes this uh, season it'll be episodes like don't go broke trying to become an influencer Ooh. don't go broke trying to start your own get funding for your business don't go broke trying to invest in the stock market so there's a lot there and i hope that you listen because i think it's gonna be good oh it's good good um yeah. <laughs> for the past season um season one if people are you know they're bored on a friday night they need some or on a walk whatever maybe not friday night on a walk or whatever um what types of episodes can people um, expect from the the last one so that they can get caught up before season two comes out? Yeah, so we had Dalapa on talking about how she did not go broke trying to get a university education and got lots of scholarships. We also spoke to my dad who started investing in the stock market very at a pretty young age and how he did not go broke. Um, don't go broke trying to start your own business. So if you're a business owner, I think that would be really helpful. Uh, it, it's a bunch of founders that I interviewed and they shared like how a lot a lot of them did go broke and telling you stories that how you cannot go broke. And then I share my like seven streams of income on there as well. So check it out. Lots of good, good stuff. And there's also an episode about financial abuse, which I think everybody should listen to. And we share about how uh, financial abuse happens and how you can get out of it if you find yourself in that situation. Thank you. So all of those will be um, linked in the show notes. So if you missed out on any of the resources that Rennie just shared in terms of like her podcast, the YouTube channel, her socials as well, they'll be linked in the show notes. So make sure to go check it out. And I kid you not, you will learn something that will actually change your life. Like, like that's not that's not me trying to trying to say something to say something, but um, her content is really, really good, uh, especially on financial literacy. So thank you so much, Rennie. Thank you for having me.